Well, hey, this is Joey Furjanic, lead pastor of the Block Church. I want to thank you for joining us today. It's an honor to share this time together with you. We hope this message will touch, impact, and transform your life and help take us one step further on our journey to revive every block. Hey, church, how are we doing today? Man, it's awesome to be in church with you. My name is Joey. I'm the lead pastor. I want to welcome all of our locations joining us uh, and those online. I want to say you picked a great day to be in the house of God, and I believe God's going to speak to you. Do you believe that? If you do, say amen. Amen. Well, good. Well, that's what this moment uh, is about. But before I preach God's word, um, we are uh, in uh, the month of November, Thanksgiving's coming, best holiday, by the way, uh, and then Christmas. Uh, we got a lot of good stuff planned. Uh, through this month, November, though, we're just kind of preaching uh, standalone messages. And so no series November is what we're calling it, all right? No series. Just kind of what, what's the Lord saying today, right now? Typically, if you're a guest with us, we, we preach through books of the Bible or specific themes, but this month, no series, November. And so I'm excited to get into what I feel the Lord has laid on my heart. Um, but next week, next week, uh, we have our worship pastor, Derek King, preaching the word. So yeah, our, our very mediocre worship pastor who doesn't sing well, so he's going to try preaching. Kidding. Someone's like so appalled. It, it's a joke. It's a joke. He, he's the best of the best. Aren't you grateful for our worship ministry? Uh, so anyway, that's next week. Um, so, okay. Uh, I graduated high school in 2004. So I'm 30, <laughs> 37. And so I will uh, be celebrating next year my 20th high school reunion. Isn't that crazy? So I know it's, it's hard to believe. It, it just, just getting better and more handsome with age. Uh, at least that's what I tell my wife to tell me. Um, but uh, anyway, but there was like this kind of moment uh, when I was a sophomore in high school that really changed things for me. Um, I actually want to ask a question. If you were not born... Uh, in 2001, by 9/11, you were you were, you were not born. Anybody? Uh, just wave your hand at me. Wave, wave your hand. That's wild. Okay, people running cameras online. You thought, wow, that's crazy. So, <clears throat> so I was a sophomore in high school in 2011. I had just been moved up uh, as a sophomore. I was just been moved up to the varsity team, football team. Not a flex. Just is what it is. It was what it was. Okay, and. And so, but I had this football class, actually took it all three years I was on the varsity team. I don't know why we had varsity football class. It just, it, I don't know what, we just went there. It was, it, was a, it was a class that I got credit for, God bless. And uh, went, to, went to high school in Florida. And, um, and so, but anyway, uh, at this class, that's when everything, the tower started to get hit. And it, it was yeah, probably third period. And all of a sudden at the school, the electricity went out. And so, of course, naturally, we, we go into this code yellow or code red, whatever. Principal came over the intercom. There was, there was, you know, stay in your room, lock the doors. Nobody really knew what was going on. We, we only knew that the president at the time was in Florida. And so because of that, uh, everybody's levels of, 
you know, panic was heightened. Thought maybe America was going to be under attack in all sorts of places. Uh, and so, you know, they had us locked in. And I'm sitting in a room full of seniors, juniors and seniors. They're freaking out. Are we going to go to war? We're listening to a little radio. Uh, and it was just like a, a weird moment. But it was in that moment, I felt like God really started to use me. I, I, uh, welling up inside of me was this passion for the gospel and to be an influence. I remember all day long, I was leading people in prayer. I was inviting people to church. Uh, and God really uh, used me that year as a sophomore on that varsity football team to bring many people to church. And it was really cool. And I think I knew right then and there that I had a call to the ministry. Like it was right about then where I sensed, okay, maybe my life is going to look a little bit different than some of my friends. Uh, but when you consider, and when I think about, you know, 9-11 and how many years ago that was, and occasionally we'll go to New York City and we'll observe the towers and remember, which I think is healthy. Uh, you, you thought in that moment, especially if you were alive and, you know, more than five years old, you, you thought in that moment, you know, like, man, this is the worst it's going to get. Like, this is crazy. And then as life continues to go on and has continued to go, it feels like, it looks like the world just finds a way to at times get darker and darker and more sinful and more dangerous. And you're like, wow, like I thought that was like the height in my lifetime of what it would be. And now here we are observing all kinds of wars and rumors of war. Like in the last year, two years alone, it's just felt kind of crazy. Would you agree with that? And the reality is this, the, the world is crazy. It's only going to get crazier. And sure, we may experience times of peace or stillness, which, which we have, but ultimately, listen, the world will get progressively more dark and sinful. Now, as Christians, and I want to speak to the Christians because there's always people in our services, which we love, who aren't yet Christians. But as Christians, we have to keep a watchful eye on the times and await victoriously for when Jesus comes and restores all things. But I want to warn you, and this is where I want to go today, in the meantime, in the meantime, we don't belong sitting on our hands and we cannot get swept away by the conniving, lying spirit of the age of culture. Because what happens is, is naturally, it is easy to get swept up in the fads, get swept up in the social media culture, believe whatever the news tells you, whatever TikTok tells you. It's also easy to live out of fear and worry and wonder. And, and while some of these emotions are natural, they don't have to be the overwhelming feeling of your life. Here's what I know. As believers, we're not living for some victory. We're living life from victory. We are living life from victory because here's what we know. Jesus Christ will come again and we win. And whether I expire in this life or Christ returns, like we are victors. We've already won. I don't have to try to make it all happen. I have won in Jesus. I've won the prize of life. And today, 
I want to touch on some cultural topics and I want to preach a message and I want to title it Life from Victory. A different perspective on life. Life from Victory. Now, the terrorist attack that we witnessed uh, a few weeks ago in Israel was shocking to me. Um, Somebody who lives at my house with my family, they are from, born from Israel. And it was hard to observe them that day and the next several days texting and trying to call and get in touch with family and friends and trying to see if people were okay. Uh, It was hard to watch the news, you know, Hamas kidnapping folks, even Americans, as well as raping women and killing children. It is the darkest evil in our day when you mess with children and women. It's pure evil. It's a spirit. Um, And remember that in this instance, it was Israel's Sabbath, which means people were not on technology, it was not a work day. People were relaxing. They were not on guard or ready. It was also not a military attack. It was a terrorist attack, which made it all the more shocking to observe uh, what has transpired even now where there's so much confusion and contention and protesting and all of these different Things And I think it's going to be healthy for us to understand some of this from a biblical perspective. And I want to help you understand what's going on and help you navigate, is this the end? Um, and, and I want to be clear about something. The region and what goes on in the Middle East, it is not simple. Okay. It's not black and white. And I'm not here to give you and provide you uh, all the political uh, answers uh, or tell you all the things that should happen or should go on. I'm here today to give you a very clear biblical perspective on what's going on, why it's happening, and the way that you need to see and decipher the world around you so that you can live life from victory. So I'm going to start in Genesis chapter 12. We'll go verse one. The Lord said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives and your father's family and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous and you will be a blessing to others. Then the Lord, this is verse seven, jump down. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, I will give this land to your descendants. Okay, now the land referenced here is still in contention to this day. We're talking about Israel. Okay, what you just read is the Abrahamic covenant. You see it again, Genesis 15, 18. Okay, here's what it is. And theologians say it a lot of different ways. Here's a simplistic way to say it. Here's what the covenant is. It's land, the promised land. It's lineage, Isaac, and then in that same bloodline, Jesus, And then number three, it's Lord, I will be your God. Land, lineage, Lord. In Genesis 15, God promises Abram, who becomes Abraham and his wife becomes Sarah. He promises them a son. 
in their old age. Now, initially, Abraham believes this and the Lord counts him as righteous because of his faith. But, always a but, isn't there? Uh, but they get impatient and start to doubt. Okay, quick lesson for all of us. God often promises things in his word, through his voice, confirmation through others, but God always has a different process than we prefer. And it's important that we do not get impatient or try to play God. And that's exactly what they do. Because in Genesis 16, Sarah brings her servant, which is common in that day, the servant, Hagar to Abraham. And she says, why don't you sleep with her and have that covenant child? Just word of advice, gentlemen, if your wife brings home another lady, this is a trap. (laughs) Okay, stop. I know it seems obvious, but like, hey, Mr. Righteous over here got caught up. So Abraham sleeps with Hagar and they have Ishmael. Now referencing Hagar and Ishmael, Genesis 16, 12, here's what the Bible says. This son of yours will be a wild man, as untamed as a wild donkey. He will raise his fist against everyone and everyone will be against him. Yes, he will live in open hostility against all his relatives. What are you reading? This is the roots of Islam. And I'll show you this because Abraham has two wives, two sons, but one covenant. So who gets the land? Who gets the inheritance? Of course, now there's going to be conflict. And God chooses to go into covenant with Isaac, not Ishmael. Now, I want to say something before I go on, because I know many of us know people who are Islamic and who have friends or whatever that practice Islam. And um, I, I just want to say and be clear so you don't peg me. And not everybody who practices Islam is a bad person or a terrorist. Let's be clear about that. Okay. But, but I do want you to understand something. That the root of this religion and the spirit attached, the spirit attached to this, what you see in Hamas, what you see in ISIS, what you see in Hezbollah, what you see in terrorism, this is the roots of it. Contention. Why? What? is the root. What is the purpose? What do they want to do? They want the land. The spirit wants the land, wants affirmation on the lineage and wants to overturn and overthrow the Lord. Because Allah and our Lord, not the same thing. In Genesis 22, Genesis 22, God tells Abraham, hey, I want you to take that one son who I'm going to be in covenant with, I would like you to climb up to a mountain and sacrifice and kill him to see if I can trust you. Wait, what? This doesn't make sense, God. Right? I mean, it's like, what? Like, 
Remember this whole like situation, God, where you're like, hey, as far as you can count the stars and the sand, I'll give you descendants and through your son, I'll go into covenant with you. But like, God, I kind of need him to be alive and get married and have children for this to work out. And then God's like, kill him, you know? <laughs> it's like, God, like, I love you, but like, dog, this isn't gonna work, you know? But God always makes a fool of what makes sense. Like, do you trust him? And so all of this, of course, is, is, is prophesying. It's leading to Jesus. Because what happens? Isaac puts wood on his back and he climbs up the mountain with his father and willingly lays himself down in surrender. And then we know that Abraham picks up his knife to kill him. And then there in the bushes was the sacrifice and the angel of the Lord stops him. But what's powerful about this is in Hebrews, I love this. It says that Abraham, this is how he believed. Abraham believed that God would just raise Isaac from the dead. God, I need that kind of faith in my life. Because it's the kind of faith like that that leads the kind of blessing and promises and covenant with God. And so God's going, can I trust you with the covenant? Obviously he can. And then later the temple is built in that same region and Jesus comes as the greater Isaac where Jesus carries wood on his back and is put to death on the mountain. And he sacrifices himself willingly for the sins of the father. Thank you for the father sends him and sacrifices for the sins of the world. Now, 2000 years later, Muhammad, who Islam would call a prophet, is visited by a demon. He would claim an angel. But here's how we know it's a demon. If you go to Galatians chapter one, verse eight, the Bible says this, let God's curse fall on anyone, including us or even an angel from heaven who preaches a different kind of good news than the one we preach to you. And you'll see here in a second that Muhammad is preaching a different gospel. And let's be real clear. The only good news is this, that Jesus came, he's the son of God, and it's because of his death and resurrection and because of his grace by our faith in which we are saved. Anything other than that, even if it's an angel, he's lying and it's demonic. And so the demon says that you should begin prophesying this new religion. Muhammad then takes Genesis 22 and creates Islam and makes Ishmael the hero, Sarah rejected, Hagar accepted, and Ishmael accepted because he offers himself as the sacrifice. They say that the covenant, the Abrahamic covenant belongs to descendants of Ishmael, which is Arabs and Palestinians. And so now we have this great conflict because anything that God creates the devil will counterfeit. And so we have the pure story of God's covenant promise with Abraham and Isaac and in the lineage of Isaac is Jesus. And then the enemy comes in, 
to counter it with confusion and with lies to say, this is where we belong because what do they want to do? They want to destroy and take the land, the lineage and overthrow the Lord. This is why we have conflict. And since, listen to me, and since there are less than 5% of Christians in Israel and in Palestine, because there are less than 5%, some would even say 2%, this is why the conflict will never stop. Because friends, Jesus is always the first part of every answer. Unless Jesus is Lord of Israel and of Palestine, unless he is Lord, unless people receive him as Lord, there's going to be conflict. And I'm not saying that there shouldn't be with this and followed by this political elements to it and decisions and all of these different things. But I'm saying it's always Jesus first. It's everything else later on. I know that, friends, this sermon can come off if we're not hearing this with spiritual ears because I believe there are people who are watching and who hear me who are not yet Christians and naturally the enemy will want to come in and harden your heart and create a fence. And I want you to hear something, okay? We are not speaking this stuff out of arrogance or narcissism. Here is the truth, whether you like it or not. The truth is this. Jesus is the way, he's the truth, and he's the life. Nobody gets to the Father except through the Son. It's only Jesus who died on the cross for your sins. It's only Jesus who is raised from the dead. It's only Jesus who releases his Holy Spirit. It's only Jesus who speaks to you the truth. It is only ever all about Jesus. So it's Jesus and every man is a liar. And every religion is a lie. All of it. And you either believe that or you don't. You're either all in on Jesus or you're all out. You can be like, Jesus is cool. He's my prophet. He's my homeboy. He's like, I like, I like some of this. You know, I like turn the other cheek, even though you don't, you know, because you live in Philly. Okay, like, I like... (laughs) Like, I know you like all this, right? But like, unless, unless I am crucified with Christ and no longer I live, but Christ who lives in me, like, unless it's that, he ain't your Lord. And you, everyone has to make this decision in their life. I either follow Jesus and I await his return or I'm living for me. There's only one grave that's empty. There's only one. Friends, here's what you need to know. When there is conflict in the seen realm, there's far greater conflict in the unseen realm. But aren't you grateful we don't wrestle against flesh and blood? The world is in chaotic shambles, perpetuated by bad leadership and also by what's happening in the spirit. Imagine the spirit realm right now. Friends, listen to me. This is why our efforts as a church are so important to continue to aggressively and urgently reach people for Jesus. 
Because at any moment, anyone in your life could expire. You, me, we are not promised tomorrow. There is a battle that is raging and that is waged for people's souls and their mind. I've got to wake up every day and be on mission because I'm called to go therefore into all the earth and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's why we are urgent and aggressive to serve and to give and to attend and set up and tear down and buy buildings. And we got a mission to revive every block we can put our feet on. Your block is your workplace, your business, your school, your home, your city. But friends, listen to me. You need to hear this. Whether you like it or not, you partner with the unseen realm. You're a partner with the unseen realm. And unintentionally, some of us partner with the darkness and the wrong spirit. Because we align ourselves with ideologies. We align ourselves with principalities and the spirit realm that is anti-Christ and anti-God, and we don't even realize it. We are quick to get caught up in fads and social media and the news and all these things, and we're not seeing the world through the lens of the spirit. Friends, you have gates, your eyes, your ears, and your mouth. What you put in, it mixes with, It impacts and it influences the way that you see the world, hear the world, and speak your voice. You must be biblically sound and literate and hungry for God. Because unintentionally, you can partner with the dark forces of the enemy or you can surrender fully and lay your life down and partner with the kingdom of God, his kingdom, his angels, his spirit. And that takes a surrendered life. Surrendered in mind, body, spirit. I want to help you. We cannot get caught up in the latest movements or fads. Listen to me. Let me help you. When you are on social media, when you're watching the news, listen to me. You don't just look at this stuff. You see through this stuff. I'm not telling you to be a perpetual conspiracy theorist, although there's some things, you know, like, did we land on the moon? I don't know. No, I'm just kidding. You know, it's like, I'm not telling you to, to, to perpetually, but, I, but, but, but it is healthy for you to say, is this the spirit of God or is this the spirit of the enemy? Is this the spirit on Hamas? Is this the spirit on ISIS? Is this the spirit on the enemy, on Hezbollah? Is this the spirit that tries to steal, kill, and destroy and counterfeit what God created? You have to ask those questions. I'm not telling you to be hyper anxious or I'm not telling you to constantly worry or all these different things, but you got to get in tune and get into a regular rhythm with the spirit that you just kind of feel and know, man, something is off here. John 15, 18 through 19 says this, if the world hates you, remember that it hated me first. The world would love you as one of your own. The world would love you as one of its own if you belong to it, but you are no longer part of the world. I chose you to come out of the world so it hates you. 
And friends, again, I'm not telling you to be an obnoxious, Bible-thumping believer that is so heavenly-minded you have no earthly good. I'm not telling you that. Okay, don't be an idiot. Don't be a jerk. Be educated. Okay, like, like, but, 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 but what I am saying is, is there are ideologies that the word of God, there are principles that the word of God, there are, there are ways of thinking and living and being and existing from the word of God that are totally countercultural to the way this world functions. And we love the people in this world, but not the culture and the direction of the world. And that's why people will hate your ideologies and sometimes hate you, even if they don't mean to hate you. And they say they hate you because they don't understand that there's a battle waging in the spirit and you're flesh and blood, but that's not where their battle is. I can go on and I can list a million things from our sexual ideologies and from what things that we believe and see and how you vote and how you think and all these different things. But like, guys, you got to hear from God's spirit for yourself. Understand his word, his principles, stand on them and say, if somebody hates me, I know they don't hate me. They hate the spirit of God that's in me. Even if they don't want to, the battle is waging. And there's principalities. I just, want, I just want, you, want you to understand something right now. There are principalities and darkness over this region, over the region of Philadelphia that have existed for generations. And we are irritating them by the movement of the gospel. And when they're irritated, they fight back. But we're here to push back darkness, stand on the word of God. Every time somebody gets saved, heaven rejoices and they get upset. Don't be surprised by the pushback and the fight in your life. Keep going. Keep going because we win in the end. You must live a life from victory, no matter what it looks like here on earth. We are called to be different in the way we behave, in the way we think, and in the way we love. The best way that I can illustrate that is um, one time I was preaching in California, or well, I don't know what I was doing there. And my, I came home and there was a dog in my house. And my spouse, same one, brought this delinquent, expensive, like animal into our home. And he was cute for a while. Till he was. <laughs> and like, the thing is, is it didn't change my life that much. Got to buy some food, clip the nails, bath occasionally. Like it, it, like find somebody to watch them, you know, when you're traveling. Like it didn't change my life that much. But when my son was born, it changed everything. After the 30 minutes of saying bad words under my breath, trying to put the car seat in the car for the first time, And driving home five miles an hour on 95 or seven. Or seven. <laughs> come up near my car. Come up. I will, you know, it's <laughs> just so protective, you know, on that ride home. After all that, everything changed. Like, like I don't, I don't behave the way I behaved before I had a child. I don't think the way that I think before I had this child. I, I don't love, I love my wife more. I hate my dog more. 
I should say, I love my dog less, you know? Like, like it's just something happens. Like, I, I make decisions. Like, even my jokes, I, it's a personification. I'm a father now. I must provide you very haphazard, not funny jokes now that you have to laugh out of courtesy. You know, be, being, a, being a father, being a parent, it's a personification. It's an identity. Like, like this is, like, I, every day I get up, I think about my day oriented around my children and their schedule and their life and their future and finances. Like, it's all consuming. And I love it. When you have an encounter with the Lord, when he is Lord of you, when you are saved, when you experience new life, when you have this new birth in Jesus, it changes everything. It must change the way you behave and the way that you think and the way that you love. Like it becomes your identity, your personification. It's who you are. I see everything. I do everything. I go every. All of it is within that lens of I am a Christ follower. And if it doesn't change you, then you must go back to the cross and say, I need you, Jesus, change everything. See, when you have this revelation that everything is different, no longer are you living for victory, you're living from victory, knowing that Jesus wins in the end. And I'm gonna prove it to you. Back to Israel for a moment. Now, I'm not a politician, okay? And for whatever that means, not sure many people are politicians, you know who are even in politics. Uh, I'm not here to give you political solutions today. I, I can't speak for the Israeli government, IDF, all these different things. That, that's not what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to give you a biblical perspective on this situation. And I wanna give you hope. But I want you to be careful to accept anything you see. So here are a few statements. First and foremost, the church, you and I, followers of Jesus, we are Israel. We are Zion. We are grafted in to God's chosen as we say yes to Jesus. However, God has a plan still for Israel. And we could talk about this for a long time, but simply in Romans eleven twenty six 26 through 27 says, and so all Israel will be saved. As the scriptures say, the one who rescues will come from Jerusalem. Jesus, and he will turn Israel away from ungodliness. And this is my covenant with them that I will take away their sins. At some point, friends, the people of Israel will have a massive revival where they will turn from their disbelief in Jesus as the Messiah and come home to Jesus. And we pray for that. We pray for that anywhere in the world. But Israel has true end times implications. So I'm answering these questions because we've had so many questions over the last month about end times in Israel. So I'm, I'm getting to this. Let me read 1 Thessalonians 4, 16. The Bible says, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. First, the believers who've died will rise from their graves. Then, together with them who are still alive and remain on the earth, will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, then we will be with the Lord forever. Thank you, Jesus. And we can't wait for this day. It's nothing to fear. It's victory. Some of us fear this because we've lived a life of defeat. Get it out of your brain. Victory is a promise for you. Now, 
The translation of this raptoro in the Greek, harpezo, it means to snatch or take away. We also see it when Philip gets snatched up near Gaza and he's brought elsewhere, Acts 8, 39. So I just wanna say something about the rapture, us being caught up in the clouds. It's an open-handed issue, okay? How this happens, caught up, disappear, close on the ground, whatever movie you saw, like, like it's open-handed. It, like it, 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 it doesn't really matter. Here's what matters, how it plays out. Here's what matters, Jesus is coming back. That's what matters. So you, whatever your ideologies around this end time procedure, like God bless you, it's a great thing to discuss in your block groups, but what you need to know that's closed fist is Jesus is coming back. Are you ready for his return? So the question then remains, is Jesus coming back soon? Three things I wanna point out. Number one, the fulfillment of all prophecies must come to pass, and many have, but there are still several to go. Another great study. Number two, which I'd have to lecture forever to do that. Number two, no one knows when Christ will return. That's what scripture says. But, but there are what the Bible calls birth pains. Matthew 24 outlines many of these wars, rumors of wars, famines, earthquakes, unbearable lifestyle conditions. Number three, and this is what I really want us to look at as I, as I land this plane here. Number three, the nations are entire, you will know we are imminently close when the nations or the majority of nations are entirely pointed against Israel. Because what is the spirit trying to do? Decimate the land and take it back, destroy the lineage and overthrow the Lord so that their false God, Satan will reign. Look at the prophecies from Zechariah 14. I'll prove it to you. Verse one, watch for the day of the Lord is coming when your possessions will be plundered right in front of you. I will gather all the nations to go fight against Jerusalem. The city will be taken, houses looted, women raped. Half the population will be taken into captivity and the rest will be left among the ruins of the city. Verse three, then, somebody say then. Then the Lord will go out to fight against those nations as he has fought in times past. On that day, his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives east of Jerusalem and the Mount of Olives will split apart, making a wide valley running from east to west. Half the mountain will move toward the north and half to the south. In other words, when all looks like it's lost, riding on the clouds, coming on a white horse will be the only king and the only savior, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And he will come to restore the people, to restore the land, the lineage. He will come to save and deliver. And you will finally see true justice and victory because we are not living on this earth for it, but from it, Jesus wins. And that's all you need to know. And I know that it feels like at any moment the nations could, with Islam as their celebrated religion, turn on Israel. What we are feeling right now is probably birth pains. It's the pre-labor labor as the world is in chaos. And I, nobody can in their right mind or truthfully sit here and say, Jesus is coming tomorrow, three weeks. If you get somebody like that, run away but you can pay attention and be watchful and more importantly, especially those who are not yet believers, ask the question, 
am I his? And I'm closing, I'm closing. I, I'm, I'm a couple minutes over, but, but it's good. this is good, right? This is good stuff. Revelation 16, 15 through 16, I'm closing with this. It says, look, I will come as unexpectedly as a thief. Blessed are all who are watching for me who keep their clothes ready so they will not have to walk around naked and ashamed. And the demonic spirits gathered all the rulers and their armies to a place with the Hebrew name Armageddon. I I, I mean, I could take forever on this, but here's, here's what we see. Look, I will come unexpectedly. Blessed are all of those who are watching for me and who are ready. Friends, you watch for Jesus by the way you live your life. You watch for Jesus, knowing that at any moment your victory will be revealed. You watch for Jesus as you evangelize. You watch for Jesus as you stay faithful. You watch for Jesus as you love your children. You watch for Jesus as you attend church and serve and build the kingdom. You watch for Jesus by saying, God, at any moment I'm ready for you to win and be victorious. But now that I'm on this earth, give me victory now. Friends, there will be a great war and Jesus will win. But here's what I want you to know. Every fear, fight it from victory. Every doubt, friends, from victory. Every disease and diagnosis, fight it from victory. Every disappointment, fight it from victory. Every news story you see, fight it from victory. Every bad financial report, fight it from victory. Every broken heart, fight it from victory. Every day you get up, wake up and say, today, I'm not looking for a win. I already got it because Jesus is king and I'm glad to be his kid in his kingdom. That's the word of the Lord. I believe life from victory is yours today. In Jesus' name, you believe that? If all who agree with that, would you say amen? Amen. Amen. For those who are here today and are unsure where they stand with God, Philippians says this, that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Here's the thing. Sorry for that. Here's the thing. Don't matter what you believe because if it ain't Jesus and if he ain't in your heart and your life, you're going to bow. We're all going to bow and we're gladly going to bow. See, the believers, we can't wait to take our crowns and put them on the floor and say, thank you, Jesus, for everything. Thank you for the life you gave me. Thank you for choosing me. Thank you that I get to be grafted in. I'm a part of the inheritance. But for those who don't know him when they bow, man, that is a scary day. And I'm here to tell you, you've got a choice today. Is he your Lord and your King? Or are you your Lord and King? And you can be your Lord and King by way of Islam or Buddhism or agnosticism or you name it. But unless he's Lord and King, you ain't with him. Thanks so much for joining us today. I especially want to thank those of you who give generously to help us revive every block. If you enjoyed this message, you can subscribe, share it with your friends, screenshot it, and post your social stories and tag us at The Block Church. We'd love to hear from you and how you found this encouraging and inspiring. Thanks again. 
God bless you.